0: You are listening to the What's Up with Hungry podcast. This is perhaps the 10th podcast that we've recorded thus far. Yay. Um, joining me today is your co-host, Mr. Erdey Peter. Peter Erdey. And uh, we have an expert with us, Mr. Jolt Szarkady. Yes, hi. He is an expert on all things criminal in Hungary. And he's like shaking his head saying no, but he is. And he actually just recently um, published a... A uh, two-part series. I don't know if you're going to publish any more about this Viszolvitski thing. Yes, I will. But it is the culmination of uh, more than half a year of research. Um, and Jolt wrote this excellent piece about the underworld in in, uh, in Budapest downtown, and that's a uh, that's a fantastic story. So if any of you can read Hungarian, I suggest going visiting 444.hu and checking out that uh, that story. But today we will be dealing with another interesting story involving crime and Budapest's downtown 5th district. So, let's get started. You
1: want to tell me
0: what this is all about? Tomáš Portík, a known underworld figure and uh, convicted criminal, made a statement in court last week about his relationship to Anta Rogán, who, of course, is the second most powerful politician in Hungary. Portík showed up in court. And he said that he personally delivered a bribe worth about 10 million footings in euros to Ogan and that the two had even met on several occasions. In today's podcast, we will examine what led up to Portig's statements in court and the history of Budapest's 5th district as a catalyst for Rogan's remarkable political fortunes. So, Peter, this, this entire story is, uh, revolves around Budapest's Fifth District.
2: The Fifth District is the most expensive, most important part of town in Budapest, and probably in Hungary. It's home to the Parliament, it's home to the Central Bank, many of the ministries, the U.S. Embassy, many of the important places in Budapest, and by extension in Hungary, are in the Fifth District.
0: And currently it's also one of the, it is the wealthiest municipality, if I'm not mistaken, in all of Hungary. yeah.
2: Before the transition, Everything was state-owned, the the apartments, the offices, the storefronts. But after the fall of communism, many of these real estates were transferred to the municipalities. The municipalities did not have any money or did not have a lot of money, but they had big, big real estate holdings. So you had this situation where the municipality had like low-paid officials working for it, and they were in charge of these million dollar buildings and offices and and storefronts and they had to manage it. And because the municipalities were cash strapped and they needed cash to operate, to provide services for the citizens, but also to maintain many of the real estates, I think the only sort of option for them was to sell to try to get rid of some of these buildings... It makes perfect sense. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it does, because then they wouldn't have to maintain them and they would get money they needed to provide whatever services they provided for the for their citizens. So I think there was this really, on one hand, perfectly reasonable situation where the municipalities needed money. On the other hand, there was this big temptation for the officials to try to make money on the side. If you are in charge of a sale of a million... Uh, dollar building and And you make like twenty dollars a month month. then you know it's not easy to like say well i won't make any money off this deal i'm just here to you're going
0: to explore you know alternatives to
2: you do and i think the big question back then was who has enough money to buy these properties
1: To answer this question, we have to go back. After the fall of communism, Hungary was uh, one of the safest countries uh, in the communist bloc. Everybody thought that Hungary will be the first in the path of democracy and the path of uh, market economy and things like that. All of our neighbors really screw themselves up. For example, Yugoslavia, there was a civil war. In Albania, there was the war of Kosovo. And uh, in Ukraine, they didn't know what to do with the nuclear arsenal. And uh, in Russia, they didn't know if they will succeed destroying communism or and the Soviet Union or not. And that's why all of the... All of the crime kingpins in these countries decided to transfer most of their money to Hungary to to secure their money and influence. For the really weak and poor Hungarian police, it was a disaster to compete with these really powerful crime lords from abroad. That's why they decided to do something about it. That's when they came up with the thing we call Olajszüketis.
0: Olajszüketis, but Jolt. This is a an English language podcast. There is no. Direct translation for Olaj surkiteish. I think, and I'm not going to be the one who ex- who explains what it is here, but but ultimately Olaj surkiteish was a was a huge scandal that that uh, deprived the Hungarian state budget of hundreds of billions of forints in uh, in tax revenues. So, what was Olaj surkiteish
1: before the regime change? It was only the Hungarian state which could deal with the oil products, but after 1990, the state monopoly on, on this disappeared. Everybody could start an oil business. There is really a lot of type of oil products, but uh, we need to talk about two of them. Heating oil and the other one is gasoline for the cars. The the two thing, almost the same. Yeah, Can they're we-
0: interchangeable. So you could put the heating oil in a, I guess, a trabant. Yes. Or a Warburg. And, and it will go wherever you like. <laughs> but the prices weren't the same.
1: Yes, the prices weren't the same because the state supported poor families who still heated their houses and flats with oil. So so the heating oil was really cheap. There wasn't any tax on that. But uh, gasoline was really expensive with a lot of tax. So it, it created an opportunity to, to, to cheat. The only thing which differentiate. Uh, between uh, heating oil and gasoline is dye, which allows the police and the border patrol to spot which is heating oil and which is gasoline.
0: Which is important because this stuff is bring, being brought in from outside the country. So when they're importing it, they show up at the customs to pay to pay the duties on it if you you know it's one thing to pay duties on heating oil and it's an entirely different thing to pay duties on gas or diesel.
1: Yes. If you bought heating oil from abroad and you just bribed the border patrol guy not to put in the dye, you made millions of forints just by this. Or if you couldn't bribe the border patrol, you just um, use some chemical substances to um, to the remove dye. the dye uh, from heating oil and then sell it. And this is what made uh, the Hungarian organized crime one of the, the richest in the European history.
2: And let me just say, we are talking, even back then, billions of foreign. That is the cash injection the Hungarian organized crime, I think, needed to fight the foreign groups. And this is why the state uh, helped them.
1: Yes, the state know that this is happening, but they didn't do anything about it because they would like to to let the Hungarian guys get richer and richer to compete with the foreign guys.
2: And I'm sure that some of them also had like some financial interest in these things. It wasn't exclusively mobsters doing this while the police looked the other way. I'm sure there were many policemen and yes. border patrol people and
1: who got... And the scariest thing is that Sándor Pinter, who is the Pinter Sándor is
0: the interior, interior, minister. interior
1: minister right now in Hungary. He was the, the chief of police back then. Ooh. At the time of Olaisekutes.
0: Now I've got a question for you. So here comes these billions and billions of footings. This is dirty money. So this is money that's not been accounted for. How did they wash this money? How did they launder it back into the economy?
1: That's when the 5th district of Budapest came into picture Uh because the catering industry in this district was really powerful. Basically, this was the only district where tourists came. You know, you can't really check catering industry if they really tell the tax authority all of their revenues or not. The catering industry is the best spot to launder this oil money. Which came from Olajos Kitéjs, and that's when Laszlo came to our story.
0: And this is the, the this, this this two-part story so far that you've written about on 444. This yes. This he was this uh, this lord of the night, this uh, this underworld figure in Budapest's fifth district.
1: The biggest company in Olay Sukitesh was called Energoal. Energoal had uh, many directors, mostly crime lords and one of them was Tomasz Portík, who you talked about earlier. Tomasz Portík gave his money to Vyzovicsky to launder it in the 5th district, and uh, this is what founded the most important friendship in the history of Hungarian crime. Vyzovicsky helped uh, Portík to launder his money. He used this money to bribe the police and the officials in the municipality of 5th district to buy the properties you talked about
2: so we spoke about the money in the fifth district that is from the organized crime because those groups were spending a lot of money and buying a lot of properties in the fifth district and laundering their money through their holdings there but as time passed there were more sources of income for people and what I mean by that is money related to politics and EU funds. If you look at the history of the fifth district from uh, 1990 to 2002, uh, Fidesz ran the district. The guy called Karsai was the mayor.
1: And hmm. the... from 1990, there was a guy called Gábor Mihai from SDS. All right. Uh, from 1994. There was Korsai. Yeah, I'm sorry. Until 2002.
2: Until 2002. In 2002, the socialists took over and a guy called Paul Steiner became mayor of the district. But you have to understand that these deals we were talking about, the selling of the assets, this went on during the tenure of all of the mayors. Right, Short?
1: Yes, yeah, Wiesowitzki's power continued to rise. Uh, and... Unchallenged. Rega- regardless yeah. of and who the mayor was.
2: It seems that he and others transcended party politics. If you had enough money and if you wanted to buy property and if you had the proper connections, you were able to, to make a good deal in the 5th district. This went on since the transition, since the fall of communism. The whole system was put in place decades ago and is or were operated by both parties along the way. So it's not a party thing. This is the nature of Hungary. And politics, but let's go back to 2006, when the Socialists lost the municipality, and then Rogan Antar came to power. He was a young, ambitious, fearless politician. He had an appetite for uh, for luxury, and he took over the municipality.
0: So we've talked about the 5th District politics, and this is where Rogan comes into the picture. So Anta Rogan represents the very top of the Fidesz food chain. In 2015, Prime Minister Orban elevated Rogan to the brand new ministerial post created just for him. And get ready for this. It is the minister of the cabinet office of the prime minister. Not to be confused with Minister overseeing the office of the Prime Minister, which is headed by Jano Lázar.
2: His arch-rival.
0: His arch-rival and his, you know, arch-nemesis. So these two young Fideszniks clash with each other for power and access to the Prime Minister. The lazar Rogan feud is important for one very big reason, and it's because it represents uh, a tactic often used by Prime Minister Orbán where if there are people underneath him who are rising in power and influence, instead of having them compete with him and challenge his own authority, what he'll do is maybe elevate somebody to compete with that person. So they fight among squabble amongst each other instead of threatening his own position as the the apex of Hungarian politics. Currently Rogan is in charge of government propaganda. In Hungary, it's commonplace to hear people refer to Rogan's new ministerial post as the, you know, being the propaganda minister. And he carries out his tasks dutifully with the help of a key group of political allies, namely Arpad Hobon and Andy Voina. Can you guys tell our fantastic listeners anything about...
2: Yeah. So let's talk about Hobon. Hobon Arpad is, I think, the most important advisor to the prime minister, the person probably closest to him. I think he was the architect of the successful 2010 and 2014 campaign of the Fidesz, which got them two-third majority. So even though Arpad Hobon does not hold and never held any official position of power in or outside the government, he had no title ever. But it's commonplace knowledge that he is one of the most powerful persons in politics in Hungary and very much in charge of the message of Fidesz. Recently, he he began his own media empire called Modern Media Group. And now they publish newspapers. They have a website. um, Very
0: heavily subsidized by yeah. public funds this media outlet. Yeah
2: their media empire is getting rich by having the the state spending advertising money there so that's that's pretty much hubonyar for you and I'm sure George can talk about Andy Wynow
1: a bit Most people in the world know Andy Wynow's name because he was the producer of Terminator it's movies great, movie, great movies <laughs> Andy Weiner is um, one of the richest men in Hungary. He's in charge in uh, in the film industry and uh, and casinos.
2: And also, he got into the media business along with Hoboin, not as business partners, but at the, pretty much at the same time. So, when Hoboin started his own empire, Andy Divina started his he own. He got TV too. Yeah, he bought the second largest commercial TV station in Hungary. He also have radio stations, and so we see both of them again, close allies of Rogan building up their own empire and both of their media empire is built on government money in Either because the government lent them money to establish the empire, and Divina got money to buy TV Ketu from the state, a state owned bank, and through state advertising. So these are the outlets the state uses to spend their advertising money, and we are talking billions of foreigns, hundreds of millions of dollars here.
0: So and this is this is Rogan's very close little circle around him. These are the people he surrounds himself with. And a few more words about Rogan. It's very important to keep in mind that he is, uh, he, he controls his public image very tightly. Um, he's not the kind of guy who would not allow his family to, uh, or, you know, pictures of his family or whatever to, to get out into the media, unlike Lazarianos, for example, who doesn't. He, he keeps his family out of, out of public life. So you see this with Rogan. You see, you know, his, he and his family appear in a Hungarian tabloids, you know, pictures of him and his kids and people, his wife.
2: People know the name of his dog,
0: Krumply. And Yeah, Krumply. His, he has a dog named Potato. And, uh, but he's got this flamboyant uh, style too. You know, he wears designer clothes. He had this, uh, there was the famous photograph of him sitting down in parliament with this Louis Vuitton bag.
2: He lives in a really nice place.
0: He lives here. in a, yeah, he lives in one of the most beautiful places in, in Budapest and he's all constantly uh, spotted in the company of celebrities. So he lives the high life. Um, but this high life is inextric- inextricably linked to, uh, to wealth obtained uh, through the government. Um, it's taken years for Erdogan to rise to the top. And um, I just want to make a point here, just to point this out, that as far as I'm aware, and you know we've looked into this, um, he has never held a job outside of politics. So this is a guy who spent his entire life in the public sector.
2: And man, did the public sector work out for him. So in 2006, when he became mayor of the 5th district, that was a bad year for Rogan, because that's that's the year when Fidesz lost the second consecutive election. And this was bad for Rogan because he was the campaign manager for Fidesz on that particular election. So I think his position within Fidesz was not strong at all. On the other hand, in Hungary, we have the system where in the spring we have general election, and the autumn we have the municipal election. And Rogan was running for the mayorship of the the 5th district and he won and this was god sent to him because his popularity even within fides his own party was at probably at an all time low so he needed something to like do he needed an escape and i think the 5th district was a really good place for him to go and so he took office and that's when he started to build himself up the municipality it means infrastructure and there's nothing inherently wrong with that so if you are the mayor, you have advisors, you have jobs to give to your allies, you can order opinion polls and that's fine. That's how politics work everywhere. And the other thing was the real estate deals. So, we spoke about these these deals went on before he took office, but it, they definitely did not stop when when he became the mayor of the 5th district. And uh, let's discuss these deals now. Break your bones. Don't know- The system in the fifth district was set up a long time before Rogan. The way it worked is that if you were a tenant in a real estate, in a property, in an apartment or in a store, in an office, uh, then you could ask uh, the municipality to, to buy that thing. And you got a tenant discount. That is I think, uh, 30%. Yes, yes, it is. So right from the get go, you got this huge discount of the price of the property. And so that meant you can get things really cheap. And again, this we are talking about the fifth district, the most expensive, most important district of Budapest.
1: Of Hungary. Of Hungary. We have to emphasize that the original price was Really underestimated itself yeah. too. So two ways they
2: reduced the price. One was the tenant discount, and the other part was the price itself set by the municipality was only a fraction of the market price. So it was really it was a really good deal. If you could get a piece of property from the fifth district, you were golden. Hobony Arpad, his family got good deals from the municipality. András Girozas who was a government spokesman for a while, and Hein Peter, who was a a uh, head of Sázadvég, one of the think tanks behind the government, they got this huge deal from the 5th district. They are building a hotel at Torottya and man, they got that property so cheap. I'm sure that's the wet dream of every real estate developer. Why I wanted to point this out is because we see that people with good political connections who are part of the go- government or close to the government with titles and without titles, they get these great deals from the fifth district municipality. And I think there is a pattern there. Rogan's political alliances and his political fortunes were forged during these eight years and greatly contributed that today he is the number two guy or the number three guy, depending number on. Number 2.5. Yeah, number 2.5, depending on who you ask. And before we move on to the most important deal from our story's perspective, let's meet another character in this, uh, in this saga, Peter Yuhas, a opposition councilman in the 5th district. And uh, Benny, please explain to us who he is.
0: Peter Juhas is uh, one of Hungary's most well-known, I think, uh, civil rights activists. And, uh, so he worked in the private sector for a number of years. Uh, he then kind of transitioned over to civil activism and he's been doing that for the better part, I think of about 15 years. Um, he has campaigned for things ranging from the decriminalization, decriminalization of cannabis to Roma rights. And he was working with, with TOS at, at that time, the, um, Hungarian civil liberties union. Um, in 2010, Juhás organized this really big demonstration against Hungary's controversial, then-new media law. And uh, this demonstration was known by many as the One Million in Favor of Media Freedom. This was like kind of the, the name it had. Um, the demonstration turned into a movement. The movement got a name. Uh, it was shorthand. They called it Mila. And uh, it was incorporated as an organization later on. So in 2012, Mila, which had a pretty strong uh, backing for a civil like movement uh, in Hungary, together with Solidaritas, another uh, movement organization led by this guy called Peter Konya, um, joined forces with Hoza and Holadash, which is a foundation that was run by uh, Gordon Bainai, the former prime minister, and so these groups all combined, and they joined forces to form this party called Edute. And uh, Edute in English means together. Um, the idea behind Edute was pretty simple. Let's try to get as many left liberal parties behind Gordon Bainey as possible and form some kind of coalition to challenge Fidesz in the 2014 national elections. Edute failed... To kind of unite all of these left-wing opposition parties. Later that year, in 2014, there was a municipal election. And Juhás decided to run for this election. And even throughout the national elections, but especially during this municipal election, Juhás was coming out with hardcore corruption stories. His campaign was a campaign against corruption in the 5th District. And this campaign was targeted at, uh, at Antarogan. Juhás loses the municipal election. And at the end of 2014, the guy who wins is a guy that Rogan himself tapped to be his successor, this guy by the name of Peter St. George Wojty. But Uhas did didn't did get enough votes during that election to become a municipal representative in the city council of the district. Now, this is very important because up until now, all of Uhas's corruption stories were kind of corruption stories that he has like a civil society guy or whatever information he could get his hands on from the position he was in. This was the the anti-corruption campaign that he did. Upon joining the municipal council of the 5th district, now he has access to documents. So now he can actually start looking at the system from within. In 2014, UHAS made a statement, and this is the statement that ties everything into the lawsuit that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast. Juhás had uncovered that the district under Rogan's mayorship had engaged in one of these very suspicious uh, transactions with somebody who had known criminal ties. That person that Juhás was referring to as having ties to known criminals was Marion Papa, who just happens to be Arpad Haboin's aunt and was the life partner or the, the partner... Of Tomasz Portik, the guy that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast.
1: So, Tomasz Portik was the lead figure of Olay Sokitesh. He was the marketing director of Energo, which was the, the central company and the biggest company of Olay Sokitesh. He made a fortune. He gave most of his money to Laszlo to launder in his fifth uh, district places around the millennium, the biggest problem in Hungary was the the mafia war erupted. According to the court documents, Portik was the lead guy. Portik um, gave orders to the to most of the killings. He lived his life until 2012, when TEC, which is a Hungarian special police, arrested him. Just two weeks after the arrest of László Vizovicski. Before the arrest, Portik was involved with a woman called Marian Pápa. Marian Pápa lived in the 5th district and she had many property deals with the district municipality. When they dated, Portik himself got involved in these deals. For example, the deal in...
2: This is what Juhás was referring to. So when he said Rogán is dealing with criminals, and by extension he himself is a criminal, he was talking about these deals, the deals with Papa Marion, and which he thought connected Rogán top, the mayor, to Portik Tomács. Rogán denied this, and Rogán decided to sue Juhás for this statement. I don't know if this was a wise decision on his part or not, because... Now this case is in front of a court, and the court has powers to hear Portik, to ask Portik to testify. And this is what happened late last week. This is when Tomáš Portik went in front of the court, and then... Man, he said some interesting stuff.
1: The hardest thing he said was that um, he gave to Antal Rogán 10 million forints worth of euros, and not just anywhere. He gave it to Rogán at the, the offices of Fides in the 5th district, in Sukwar Street. Portik really name names. He, sa- he said that he, he had connection to Rogán, to to Habony Arpad, and he spoke about Andy Vajna, right? Yes, Andy Vajna. And unfortunately,
2: Rogan Antal wasn't there. He was summoned to appear in front of the court. When but he had
0: some important foreign business to take care of. Yeah,
2: the court summoned Rogan as well. So he can face his accuser and he can, right then and there confirm or deny the allegations. he gets
0: to uh, confront the witness.
2: Yeah. Rogan said he really wanted to be there, but he had important state business right when Portik was due to testify. He said he was going to give an interview to Bild, so he had to be in Germany for that uh, right on the day Portik testified. But there was no interview in Bild. Bild published a three-sentence sort of statement from Rogan. So I think at the end of the day, it's not unfair to say that Maybe he wasn't that keen on uh, being in the same courtroom with Portic. Uh,
0: with Portik, and what we see, the government saying now is that, um, and Peter, you even said something like this not not too long ago that the guy's a the guy's a felon. He is the most ruthless criminal. Whatever, of course he'll say anything, and and simply because of his personality and his own personal history, you know, you shouldn't take what he says at face value.
2: And furthermore, I think there's one more thing to add here. Portic was recorded talking to the the head of the state security service before... 2010, before Fidesz took power? In 2008. Exactly. 2008. He was recorded speaking to this secret service guy, and they were discussing how Portik should be active in like a smear campaign against Fidesz. And so people in Fidesz now say, it's not just only a convicted felon who's accusing Rogán Antal of something, but a guy who discussed smearing Fidesz intentionally, so you can't really give any credit to what he says. Listen, I think we should.
0: Uh... Yeah, we should wrap it up. So, we're going to have another podcast maybe a week from now. Um, we hope you listeners enjoyed this week's edition of What's Up with Hungry. I'm Ben Novak signing out. This is Peter Erdi. Goodbye. And Jolt, this is where you say, I'm Jolt. Bye. <laughs> I am. I was Jolt. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. Bye bye.